0: We're starting a new series today entitled, I Resolve, and we're going to be talking about prayer this morning, and then over the next four weeks, a number of just good things. So I wonder, just real quick, out of curiosity, how many of you made a New Year's resolution? If you didn't, that's okay. We forgive you for that, but how many of you honestly made a New Year's resolution? So, okay, maybe you didn't do one. Let me say this. I didn't do one formally, but there are always things that I look at during the course of a year to change. So I'm going to help you with those New Year's resolutions. I'm going to give you four of them over the next four weeks. The first is I resolve to pray today. Next week is I resolve to be biblical. The following week is I resolve to forgive. And then the last one is I resolve to share my faith. And I believe God will use these times together to transform us. And that's really what we talk about when we talk about resolutions, isn't it? Is we want some type of personal transformation to happen in us. But I can think of no better way to be transformed than from, as Amanda said, from the inside out. I want God to do some great things on, in me so that how I live my life is, is different. And it transforms those around me. So we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. And as she also mentioned, the 21 days of prayer. Pick one of these up. We've got them at the Information Center. If you haven't gotten one, what, th- what's so cool about this, there's different ways to pray. i have given you some different suggestions on how you can pray. Uh, Through the Lord's Prayer, through Scripture, you can pray the prayer of Jabez and use these as prayers to kind of pattern your prayer after, given all of our national and local and state leaders are in here listed where you can pray for them every day. The Scriptures are very clear that we are to pray for those who have authority over us so that we would live peaceful and godly lives. So I encourage you to do that. And so there's just some great resources. There are a lot of quotes in here from some very, very amazing people and a lot of scripture about prayer. So use this as a tool. It's something you can keep. It's not just specific to this 21 days. It's something I believe will help you all year long. As I said, we begin this new series, I Resolve, and I Resolve to Pray, this morning. Last week, we had a wonderful time together. It was just a ton of fun and uh, a lot of a, a lot of laughter together, but a lot of really good things yeah, that God did among us but the statement I made I want to repeat it, and i 'm not going to spend any more time really talking about last week. You can go online and listen to the message either the podcast or you can if you have the time you can watch it but I made a statement that i I really want us to focus in on again, and it is this phrase what two thousand and eighteen was does not determine what two thousand and nineteen will be, and it is really important to understand how how true that statement is. Because in reality, I don't want 2019 to be like 2018. I don't want 2019 to be like 1999 or 2004 or 1985 or finding whatever your favorite year is. No, I want 2019 to be a completely new year and I want God to help me make the most out of the year that is ahead of me. I am believing for God to do great things in 2019 in my life and in your lives and in our lives collectively as a church. I'm believing that God is going to do something great in 2019. Can I get at least a grunt? And Thank you for the grunts out there. You guys are listening. Way to go. I'm believing God to do great things in the year that's ahead. And I really can think of no better way to begin than to talk about prayer. It's why we dedicate these first three weeks of the year, each year, to prayer. I want to be a person who does more than just pray. I want to be a person that really can be described as one of prayer, that it really really defines my life. And as we begin to talk about prayer, one of the things that comes into mind every year when I begin to, to, to speak on or preach or teach about prayer is why as a Christ follower would we talk about prayer? And you say, I'm not sure I understand, Gary. Why would, why would you say it like that? Well, here, here's, what I th- here's what comes across my mind. I should know how to pray if I'm a Christ follower. It should be so second nature to me, I shouldn't even give it a second thought. But I wonder if that's really true in practice. Or is that just this philosophical thought. Because we, we, we have all grown up differently. And we, we look at prayer maybe differently. We, we understand its value, or we think we understand its value, and we know how to do it, or we don't know how to do it. And so if we aren't sure how to do it, we don't do it. If, we, if it's too familiar, we don't do it what I want to do in these moments together this morning is just reinforce some practical truths about prayer so that I can, I can engage more deeply in this relationship I have with God and encourage us to do that together. And I think sometimes we look at prayer and we say, I'm not spiritual enough to pray. Or I don't know, how to, I don't know what to say to God. I, I don't know how to even begin to pray. I, I don't know what to do. And, I, and honestly, there are times if I'm ignorant about something, I simply don't do it. And that's just true, and I'll tell you, I've mentioned this on many occasions, and you'll hear this forever, as long as I'm your pastor, you're going to hear this. I am not a Mr. Fix-It guy, okay? And honestly, if I don't know how to do it, I really have no curiosity to find out how. I don't really care if I ever learned how to fix a toilet. I don't care, so I'm not going to do it. Now I know some of you are saying, oh man, if there's something I don't know, I want to figure it out, and I want to do it. Great, good for you, when it comes to that stuff. But when it comes to prayer, I wonder how often that's what our approach is. We may be ignorant about it, or we may have such a small amount of knowledge about it, we just don't take it any farther. We don't learn. We don't grow in that. And although I've been following Christ virtually my entire life, I have miles to go in learning how to pray. And to be the person of prayer that I believe God wants me to be, and I believe God wants us to be. So for a few minutes, we're going to talk about prayer. And to do that, I want to start with just four very basic statements of prayer that I hope will just kind of undergird our conversation this morning. The first is this. Prayer should be simple and remain simple. That, And I, I can't really say it any better than that. It needs to be simple and remain simple. Many of us grew up with the King James Version of the Bible. It's beautiful. The language... Okay, you ready? The language of the 17th century was wonderful. But we have become so 17th century that we think of the these and the thous and the whither, thou ever, whither whithersoever thou goest as being how we have to pray. And because we think that somewhere deep in our heart, we don't pray. Because we don't know how to pray. We don't know when the thee should come in and the thou should go out. We don't know what to do with it. So, because we don't use a language that is comfortable to us, we, don't, we simply don't pray. I would just say, keep it simple. Pray the way you talk. However you talk to a friend or however you talk to your spouse, well, hopefully it's kind to your spouse, that would be my hope, but you speak the same way with God. You just talk to Him. The second part is that prayer is a conversation with a friend. It's a conversation with a friend. You say, Really? Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. I love this scripture. Look at what what it says. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Why is that significant? You notice that it is God that is speaking to Moses as a friend. If God considers him a friend, why wouldn't we turn that and say, if God considers me his friend, Should I not speak with him as a friend? And I would say, absolutely. Absolutely. You see, there are things that I, when I talk to a friend, I want to hear what the friend is thinking about everything. We have great conversations. We laugh together. We cry together. We we share deeper things. We share shallow things. We share joys and we share sorrows. Why can't we have a conversation with God just like that? I believe that we should, and I believe God looks and longs for that conversation. I love this phrase, prayer is the most important conversation of your day. Take it to God before you take it to anyone else. I can't give you better, a better piece of encouragement than that this morning. It's the most important conversation of your day. Before you share it with anybody, share it with the one who considers you a friend. You're God's friend. And in friendship, we share those things that are on our hearts. The third is that prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. Now, a monologue is what those late-night comedians do. Every one of them, they come out and they start talking, and they just it's just them. Nobody else. They'll enter into a conversation later. Sometimes I think that's exactly all our prayer life consists of. It's just a monologue. It's just us. We just don't stop. I got a lot to say. I admit that. And most of us have, we got to get our words in during the course of a day. I understand that. But prayer shouldn't be just a one-way monologue. It needs to be a dialogue. You say, Can I actually have a conversation? Can I actually have a dialogue with God? The answer is yes. I love love what Mother Teresa said. She said, God speaks in the silence of the heart. Listening is the beginning of prayer. I don't know that I've ever considered prayer like that. That listening is the beginning. What What if we began our day by just being quiet before God... And literally in our heart of hearts, we just said, God, speak because I'm listening. What difference would it make in our lives, in our day, if we just listened to what God has to say? I would suggest that God is always speaking. It's just whether or not we're listening. Listening is a part of prayer. I listen, I, I, I love, I love with Psalm 46, you would know this verse Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Be still. Ecclesiastes, Solomon would say, guard, guard your steps. Guard your steps when you go near to the house of God. I like this. Uh, go, <laughs> go near to what? Listen. Listen. Often, we talk so much, God can't get a word in. We don't give him a chance. Because we just continue. And I I understand we have a lot to share. There's a lot of things. Right now, there's a lot of things on my heart that I could share with God. And I will. But there's also a time when I just need to be quiet and let God speak to me. Because I would suggest that God has a lot of things on His heart for you and for me. And He wants to share them with us. But we have to allow Him to The fourth is that prayer changes us, and things change. You notice I didn't use the common phrase, prayer prayer changes things. Prayer does change things. God answers prayer. God does miracles. God answers. I get that. But most, what I believe is so significant about this is that when you and I pray, we change. It changes us. So then what we are asking of God also changes. If God is changing my heart, I'm viewing life differently. What once was a priority isn't as important now. Why? Because God's changed me. And everything changes. Richard Foster he said to pray is to change. And maybe maybe you've heard something like this over the years. Or maybe you said it. I don't really like change. I wonder if anybody's ever said that. I'm just not so sure. I wonder if that could be a reason why sometimes we aren't as prayerful as we should be. Is because when we begin to pray and we begin to listen to what God is saying, God is then putting in our hearts things that we might never have considered before. And when you add fasting to that, this just takes it to a whole new level. Because you are dedicating something important. You're letting the spiritual side of your life take precedent over a physical or emotional side of your life. And God will use prayer and fasting together to speak new life into us, to breathe new life into us, to change us. I don't know. I said a minute ago, I don't want 2018 19 to be like 18. So what's it going to require? Change, change, and that change starts in me. I want God to change me. So with those as a background, we want to look at a, a parable that Jesus, a story that Jesus told in in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter eighteen. It's a unique parable. In fact, it's the only time it, it's only time it's found in Scripture, and it, it's it's unique. But it's also it's also just kind of. It's entertaining. There's no other way to say it. It's just an entertaining parable. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow in that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but Finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I am going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson. (coughs) Excuse me. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think... God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for your word. Speak to us while we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Four things. The first is always pray. Always pray. When Jesus begins this story, he says, always pray. Every one of us in the room have certain things that we do every day. These are always happening. It it could be personal hygiene. It could be a 3 p.m. nap, for that matter. And that sounds really good on a Sunday afternoon. A 3 p.m. nap is great. But maybe maybe you've taken it to a whole new level. Maybe it's 3 p.m. every day and way to go if you have. Well done. There are certain things that we do all the time. I did one this morning all the time. I had a cup of coffee. I do that every day. In fact, today I had... Four cups of coffee. And, <laughs> that was good. And I'm going to tell you something. But let me just stop. Don't send me the emails of the, of the physical terribleness of coffee drinking. Because I get it and I'm still going to do it. So there. All right. My, my, my point is I do that every day. Every day. I drink a cup of coffee. And it's fine. It's all good when I think about the things that I always do, we always do, is prayer one of them? Is it is it something that literally gives me life? Because in some respects, when I am groggy-eyed, stumbling down the stairs in the morning, I'm really looking forward to that cup of coffee. Because that cup of coffee is going to stimulate certain parts of my... and get me fired and getting going. Now that's on the... kind of the silly side of things. However, I would also say that prayer is much the same way. To begin my day... With God in prayer, hearing His voice speak life to me, allowing me to unburden my heart with the things that are there, what a way to begin my day. What a way. Why would I ignore that every day? I want to encourage you, pray always, every day. Let it be a priority. Let it be something that you do not neglect. Jesus said, always pray. Always 2 Chronicles chapter 6. We won't take the time to read it, but this is Solomon's prayer of dedication over the temple. It's a beautiful prayer, and I want to encourage you to read it at some point. It really is an amazing prayer. It's long, but it's an amazing prayer. But on no less than 12 occasions in that portion, from chapter chapter 6, verses 14 to verses 42, on no less than 12 occasions, Does Solomon say something along these lines that we read in verses 26 and 27? And I'm going to read those for you. When the heavens are shut up, this is Solomon praying, when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you and when they pray towards this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you've afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. It's the phrase... When they pray. And Solomon lists one, 12 different times when they pray for this, when they pray for this, when they pray for this. And it's always when they pray for this, hear from heaven. In other words, respond to God when they pray this. And Solomon is all over in subject matter. And what it reminds me is what it reminds me of is this: is that We should be constant in our prayer and continual in our prayer. We shouldn't limit our prayer to just certain things. That God's only concerned about that. That God really doesn't have time to to deal with this issue. Or it only has to be this significant before God hears me. Or or I'm I'm sure I'm just wearing God out. He is so tired of hearing me say the same thing over and over again. He's driving I know that guy that Gary guy, he's driving me crazy. That's what God's no, it's not what God says. And that's the interesting contrast of this parable. We need to pray always and for everything. I want to be a person as Paul says, and listen to what he said in 1 Thessalonians 5:17, never stop praying. Never stop praying. And now the second part is verse 18. Look at it with me. For this is God's what word? What's that word? Say it with me. Oh, come on, come on. What, what is that word? Will. will. For this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. What? To never stop praying. If it's God's will for us to never stop praying, why is it so important? Because God wants to speak life into us. We need to listen to what He has for us. And we need to have the, the, the understanding that we can just unburden our hearts to God about anything and everything and at any time. You see, we call out to God often, not because He does not listen, but because He. He does, and that is such a powerful, powerful truth. Let me add, we call out to God so often because we have so much to call out to God for. I have a lot of needs. I have a lot of things that are on my heart that I pray about every day, and I'm a little bit on the side of, I get a little, maybe a little aggressive on certain things or a little bit overwhelmed. I always feel as if I I don't want to ever forget something in my prayer time. And I'm a little bit over the top on that. That's kind of where some OCD, I think, comes in. I don't want to forget anything. But the reason I'm that way is because I know that God is hearing what I say. I don't want to miss an opportunity to unburden and unfetter my heart to a God who hears me, who considers me a friend, who loves me, who has the best intentions for me, who is willing to to speak life to me. I don't want to miss that opportunity. That's why I always pray. I want to encourage you to always pray. Always pray. Do just as Jesus said. The second thing is to never give up. It's to never give up. Jesus said, always pray and never give up. Now, I don't know what you think about Winston Churchill. I'm not here to talk about character, I'm not here to talk about anything, but I will tell you Winston Churchill was a big personality. And he was a stabilizing force for Britain during the Second World War. And he had a lot of quotes. This quote I just love Never, never, never give up. He doesn't say it once. He says it three times. He was doing this to inspire a nation to stay steadfast, to overcome something they did not believe they could overcome. He would say later on, this is a bad paraphrase of what he said, but it'll it'll give you the idea. He would say, I was certain that Britain would lose the war without the United States being involved. But once the United States was involved, I was absolutely assured we would win. Why is that significant? He inspired a nation to believe, but also understand when you think about prayer, when we don't pray, when we give up, I am absolutely confident when we don't pray, there is no hope of victory within our life. But I will tell you that when we pray, we are appealing to a God who is able to do the impossible, and there is no defeat, our God knows. Pray. Never stop praying. Never give up and never stop praying. And I love it. I'll say it again. In the story, this helpless widow is, the godless judge is saying, she's wearing me out. Well, you can't wear out, God. Never give up. Continue to pray and believe. This is the persistence in prayer. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus a question. So Jesus would you teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And then he went on to when you pray pray like this and he gave us what we know as the Lord's prayer. That was the that was his answer. If you follow down a little longer a little bit more into Luke 11, this is what you read in verses 9 and 10. And so I tell you keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. We recognize that verse of the ask, seek, and knock, and the persistence in prayer. But I would suggest once again this morning, don't ever believe that you're wearing God out with the same prayer over and over and over again. No, just like Winston Churchill, never, never, never give up. Mark Batterson, who pastors, National Community Church in Washington, D.C., one of our Assemblies of God churches. Mark said, I am confident that you are only one prayer away from a dream fulfilled, a promise kept, and a miracle performed. One prayer away. Let us not fall short of that one prayer. Let us not stop too quickly, but let us be persistent in our prayer and believe that we are, just as he said, one prayer away from a dream fulfilled, a promise kept, and a miracle a miracle performed. God is able to do what you are committing to him. Do not stop praying. Believe it. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Be persistent in prayer. Paul said to the Ephesians, "Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super, super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to His power. That is work. That is at work within us. That's do as Jesus says, and never, never give up. Three. God will answer. God will answer. That's the emphasis. Is will, will. The unjust judge in this story, this godless judge gives the helpless widow what she asks for, justice. And Jesus draws the comparison between this unjust judge and a benevolent God. If this unjust judge will do it, won't God do it? Won't God grant you justice? And the key word is will. He will do it. God will answer. This is a cruddy guy. There's nothing good about the guy that Jesus describes. But the comparison is to a Benevolent God, loving God, who will answer our prayers. Marcy and I have three great kids. Uh, we're blessed, and now, uh, and we've been praying for them ever since they were born. You know, just little guys. I, I I think of, I think of one specific time when I was really challenged, as I'd never been challenged before by the Lord to pray for our kids. I was at a I was at a conference. Or I was actually at a, a leadership. I don't know what it was. It was it was a leadership something. Okay, I'll say it that way. We were doing leadership is what we were doing. Anyway, we were having a prayer time and God really impressed upon me to change my prayer focus for my children. From that time on, I've been praying for my kids in this particular way. I pray for them every day, still to this day. And now I've added daughters-in-law, a son-in-law, and six grandchildren. And my prayer list just gets bigger, but my some of my focus on my prayer hasn't changed. Here's how I pray for my kids every day. Lord, protect them spiritually, physically, emotionally, sexually, socially, and mentally. I look at those six things as being the hedge of protection that I'm asking God to put around my kids and my family. I pray it every day. I've been praying that prayer for decades, for decades. And what it does, it has created a continuing sensitivity to God in my life and how God speaks into my life. And he touches on certain things or he makes me more aware and sensitive about things. And where I have seen this happen, I've seen it happen numerous times from just the prompting of me to turn around when one of our children was running out in the middle of the street to get a ball Turning around just in time to see a car coming and telling him to stop. As simple of things as that, but I remember one specifically. Our daughter, Amanda, is our youngest. She, After graduating high school, she went off to Master's Commission. If you're not familiar with what Master's Commission is, it's a discipleship program. She went away for a year. Gratefully, she didn't go too far. She went 20 miles away to where we were living in San Diego, so it was great. She lived at home, and she was still able to participate. Well, as... Masters, they, they got their group together and they went to Mexico, went to Baja for a week to do some administering a variety of things. Well, one of the days, they decided to go to the beach and just spend some time at the beach and enjoy enjoy a beach day in Baja. I mean, that's as, that's as good as it gets. So they did, and her her and her best friend, along with the other team members, they were all there, but Jessica and her were out in the water and they were enjoying it, and she noticed she just kind of got hit by a wave a little bit stronger than normal and noticed that she was now... Th- Rather than being side-by-side side with her friend, she was about 10 feet away. Another wave came, and now she's about 20 feet away. One more wave came, and now she's in deep water. And she was realizing very quickly that she was caught in a riptide. And she's a good swimmer, so that wasn't the issue. She was a good swimmer. So, but she wasn't necessarily completely putting two and two together. This is a riptide. I can't swim against it. I've got to kind of swim with it to get away from it so I can find a way to get back to the beach. But she started to fight against the current. She fought against the current. A wave hit her and knocked her and knocked her underneath the water and began to roll her to where she was losing where she was, or her equilibrium. She didn't know which was up and which was down because she was tumbling under the water. Well, she finally was able to gather herself enough to come to the surface, grab some air, got hit by another wave, and the same thing repeated. This repeated two or three times. She told me, she said, Dad, I was just exhausted. She said, I couldn't. I had no strength left. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. She said, "I literally, I was under the water and I'd given up because I was, I was out of gas. I couldn't, I couldn't muster any more strength. She said, and I just resigned myself to the fact that this is it. I'm done. And she said, she began to visualize her own funeral and where people are sitting and remembering or saying or doing, she said, and I saw how you and mom and my brothers and, and the impact it was having on you and my friends. She said, something came over me, and I found new strength. And she said, I somehow just bolted back to the surface. And when I did, a wave hit me from behind and pushed me forward. She said, and I was able to get to the beach. All this is done, and the next day, I happened to call her, which was unusual that I could even get through into Mexico, and I did. And uh, what what was unique is she wasn't going to say anything about this incident, not a word. And I said, hey, Amanda, is everything okay? She said, why do you ask, Dad? I said, well, yesterday... About this time, I felt very uneasy in my spirit for you. And I began to pray. She said, Dad, this is what happened. And this was the time that I was under the water. Do not for one moment believe that your prayers go unheard and go unanswered. For the most precious parts of your life, God is concerned. God will prompt you. God will lead you. And God will answer your prayers. My prayers are no more special than anyone else on this planet. Because we have a God who loves us. A God who cares for us. A God who has the best intentions for us. A God who considers you his friend and desires to have a relationship with you beyond just an occasion, beyond just an event. But he wants this familiar friendship to develop, to build. When we pray, God will answer. Psalm 91 and verse number 15, I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. Crossroads. I consider you my family. Consider you my friends, and so I'm going to read that portion again because you need to hear it. I, this is God. I will answer your prayers every time you pray. Do you hear it? You say, but Gary, how can how can that be true? How can that be true? Because God's answers are not always the answers we believe they would be or should be. Sometimes it's no. What? God's going to tell me no? Yeah, God's going to tell you no. God's also going to tell you to wait. Not yet. And God's also going to say, yes, indeed. Isaiah 58, then you will call, the Lord will answer, yes, I'm here. He'll quickly reply. I will answer them before they call to me. While they're still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Hallelujah. John 15, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Let me just stop for a moment. This is the idea of now decades of prayer that I have been investing in my children and year after year after year and day after day after day that I always pray and I never give up and I believe God is honoring His Word. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you will and it shall be yours. I want you to grab onto that promise and let it be your promise. Not just a promise for past decades, but let it be a promise for 2019. 1 John 5, we can come to God. We can come to God with what? No doubts. Hallelujah. This means that when we ask God for things, and those things agree with what God wants for us, God cares about what we say. He listens every time we ask Him, so we we know that He gives us whatever we ask Him for. God will answer. God will answer. The fourth, the fourth is having and keeping faith. It's interesting that Jesus says this, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Will he find anyone that has faith? In in chapter 18 of Luke, he's been talking to the Pharisees about the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, and the Son of Man returning, and what the kingdom of heaven looks like both in a present context and in a future context. So now he talks about prayer, and then he, he comes right back to this idea of the Son of Man. When the Son of Man comes, are you going to find faith on the earth? Is that going to happen? So I see two things. The first is having faith having faith. Mark chapter 11 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. You Understand, this is not this carte blanche credit card in the sky, but rather it is the idea that we have faith in a God who is able to answer our prayers. Do we have faith? Do we have faith? Jesus said to have faith in God, and the promise was that there would be an answer. So, the obvious question do we have faith? Do we have faith? And once again, do we believe? Or, 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 is, or is prayer only a motion that we go through? Or is it more? A sense of obligation. Remember, God is going to answer us yes, no, wait, not yet. Be patient. Will Jesus find us having faith? Do we have faith? Do we believe? Second, it's keeping faith. Keeping faith, I think, is harder than having faith. Can we just be honest? Because some of us in the room this morning, we have been asking God for the same thing. We consider ourselves just like that helpless widow. I am wearing God out with this one prayer request. I am sure that when he sees me, he goes, oh no, here it comes again. The same thing again and again. There was a man in the Old Testament. You would know his name. I'll give you his name. Abraham. He was promised to be the father of nations. That there would be so many descendants of Abraham, it would be like the stars of the sky and the sand on the beach. And he had no kids. Now, how's that going to work out? Then he waits for decades, and he still has no kids. But he did not waver in his faith. He kept believing. Hebrews 11. Abraham was waiting for the city that has real foundations, the city planted and built by God. He was too old to have children, and Sarah couldn't have children. It was by faith that Abraham was made to made able to become a father because of this look because he trusted God to do what he had promised the man was so old he was almost dead but from him came as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. Why? He not only had faith, but he kept faith. He kept believing. He would not waver in his belief in the God whom he knew and served. And who, by the way, considered Abraham to be his friend? Abraham persevered. He believed. He remained faithful for decades until God fulfilled what the promise that was made. I will want, I just ask, will we wait? Will we wait? Will we remain faithful over the long haul and keep praying for that son? Keep praying for that daughter, that mother, that father, the husband, the wife. We won't give up. And I will tell you, when we don't give up, God will honor his promise. Why? Because he will not deny himself, because he's denying his own character if he dies. I'm grateful for that. Will Jesus find us keeping faith when he returns? I trust that he will. Galatians 6. So let us not so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time we will allow harvest, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up. Or quit. So I have three questions for you as we bring our time to a close this morning. The first one is this. Is our prayer life regular and consistent or just when crisis happens? <laughs> Consider that. I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray when crisis happens because I'll be the first one to say crisis happens. And I'll be the first one to say again crisis is going to happen again. And I'll pray. But if that is all our prayer life consists of, then we're not the person of prayer I believe that we want to be, nor that God wants us to be. It needs to be consistent and regular. Always pray. Always pray. That's what Jesus said. Second question, is, is our prayer life a lifestyle more than an infrequent occasion? And let me, let me say it, lifestyle, what does that mean? Paul said it, you know, pray continually. There's a, there's a statement or a, a phrase that I, I came across again this past week as I was studying. Two words, flash prayers. What are flash prayers? Fl- flash prayers are when you just, maybe you're walking by someone on the street and you just pray for them. In other words, prayer is so much a part of your lifestyle that it just happens always. You're always praying. You're never stopping. You're never giving up. Prayer is always what you are about. So I ask you again, is a lifestyle more than an infrequent occasion? You see, we probably pray for our meals, and we pray before we go to bed, and we pray when we first get up, and those are good. But do we pray as a lifestyle? Is it something that just permeates our life? Third question is, is our prayer life our first response or our last resort? When all else fails, pray. Uh, Let's flip that. No, I pray first. You remember the wristbands we gave out a couple years ago? Pray first. Should have brought more this year because it's a great reminder. It's not a last resort. It's a first response. Whatever our life is, let that be. I don't know if you're a morning person or not, but I'm going to encourage you to do at least one thing in the morning. Get up, and the first thing on your lip, let it be prayer. Let it be prayer. Let it be something that you give to God. In other words, it's your first response rather than your last resort. I think it'd be great to begin your day with prayer and end your day with prayer and fill your day with prayer. Why? Because Jesus said, always pray. Because Jesus said, never give up. Jesus said, God will answer. And Jesus said, have faith and keep faith. I believe as we do that, and we consider these questions and act upon them, God will allow us the privilege of being people of prayer and not just people who pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, speak life to us in this area of prayer. I, I know for many it's so familiar. It is familiar to me, but Lord, I, I, I have a long ways to go to be the person of prayer that I know you would be pleased if that is what I would become. And I really do believe it's in my heart of hearts to be that. Have I failed at it? No, I'm sure I have. Have I succeeded? I hope so. At times. Lord, I think we're wrestling with all of this this morning. We want it to be a lifestyle. We want it to be regular and consistent. We want it to be our first response. So, Lord, I I ask this morning that our resolution today would be to pray, to pray. So, Lord, with that in our hearts, speak to us in Jesus' name.